Well, we want to welcome our listeners back to Building Bridges, um, the podcast. I am here. I'm Luis Sanchez. I'm here with my friends uh, Ray Pearson and Jan Watkin. They are classmates of mine from the 1972 graduating class of Huntington Park High School. Proud Spartans we are. And this podcast is dedicated to building bridges across partisan lines and reinforcing the value of civil discourse. Uh, Ray would call, call himself a moderately conservative Republican. Jan would call herself a progressive Democrat. Uh, and I am the curmudgeon in the middle, the independent, lifelong independent. Uh, and so we try to discuss the controversial topics of the day uh, and uh, maintain uh, civility uh, with each other. It's not hard to do because we like each other, um, but, uh, but we think it's still an important art uh, for all of America as our country seems especially divided these days. Today's topic uh, is going to be physician-assisted suicide. Uh, and before we get into that topic, uh, I want dis to disclaim uh, any uh, attachment of our views to any institutional roles that we might play. Uh, Ray is, a, uh, is on the uh, board of trustees of a school district in Southern California. I happen to be president of a California community college. However, uh, neither of us is representing our institutional roles in these view viewpoints. So the viewpoints expressed are entirely our own individual viewpoints. Thank you for joining us today. I'm gonna to start with Jan today to have her share with us her view on the morality of uh, suicide and physician-assisted suicide. All righty. First off, I wanna reject the term assisted suicide or physician-assisted suicide. I believe that it's medical aid in dying if you have six months left of life or less. And I believe that physicians are already assisting in medical aid in dying because through hospice, people are administered uh, drugs, mostly opiates and other, other medications that can help people with their pain, but also do in, in reality, shorten someone's death because it slows down, you know, the morphine will slow down someone's breathing. It'll slow down someone's respiration rate and their heart rate, uh, but it also provides pain relief and suffering relief. So with that, I reject that term of assisted suicide because I don't think that a dying person is actually committing suicide by shortening their life by a few months or a few weeks or a few days. And I think that they're, they have the choice to be suffering or not. There are nine states that provide medical aid in dying. Um, and I believe that there will be more because most people, when we think about our own mortality, we want a peaceful death. And certainly we want a peaceful death for our loved ones. That to me is morality. All right, thank you for starting us off. And Ray, I, so I uh, am probably one of those people that would not uh, be reluctant to administer uh, some self-help in, in bringing about my own mortality uh, under some circumstances. I know for sure I don't wanna be behind as a burden. I don't wanna get to the point where uh, my, all of my dignity is stripped away and people have to take care of me for the most basic body functions. I'd much rather put an end to life at that point. But I know that on the conservative end of the, of the spectrum, there is some sense that taking one's life or hastening one's death is immoral because it deprives God 
of the ultimate judgment about when life begins and when life ends. I've never asked you about the connection between your religious viewpoints and any religious view, or, uh, excuse me, between your conservative political viewpoints and any religious viewpoints you might have. So are you bothered by the, by the moral issue of taking one's life? So, you know, I was listening to Jan and I think, I, I think, you know, I, I am a person of faith and, but my faith also talks about people's suffering and, um, you know, and the God that I worship is a God of love, uh, not of suffering. He's not putting suffering on people, even though we have a, you know, a world that there's a lot of suffering in. Uh, to do that. So, you know, I, I've, I've wrestled in the past with this one, but I've come to a peace with this, is that under certain circumstances, and not just life is tough, and, and I'm going to take my life and have someone take it for me, but people who are suffering, um, there was, and, I, and I'll give you a real example, in my Rotary Club, there was a gentleman who was city treasurer, in fact, and he had, um, he had brain cancer and the brain cancer had went into remission for a while. He had surgery and, and the surgery for brain cancer for, in his case was very painful, very painful. It came back. The doctors were saying, you're gonna have to go back into surgery. And he said, you know, I remember him saying, I don't wanna do that. And then I think it was not much later we were all shocked that he took his own life. He had researched how to administer suicide in a way um, that essentially he goes to sleep and he doesn't wake up. Um, as much as I was troubled from a moral standpoint, I absolutely had empathy or at least sympathy. I can't, I didn't have the experience. So it'd be more like sympathy, not empathy uh, for that. So I don't, first of all, in my walk, um, Judgment is not my job. I don't judge people. That's not my job. I may have opinions and that's okay. But for me to say someone um, who's going through such physical pain, such physical pain, and they're actually, you know, there's the difference between them dying now and dying in three months or six months. Um, because, you know, do I say, no, it's God's job. I, I, I don't think I'm that parochial, Luis or Jan, on that because I don't think suffering. I, I just think if when, it, when a doctor or doctors say there is no chance, there is no chance of this person recovering from whatever it is, and they are in extreme pain, no matter how much pain medicine we administer to them, um, I think I probably support in that case uh, um, that their lifespan is shortened and that they have the, um, they have a, a medical doctor administering that shortness of that. But I think that those are cases that are uh, the exception, not the rule. I, I do have a problem with people who choose because they have mental health problems and they're just going, I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way anymore. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have someone assist uh, to take that. And I know we're going to get into the law in the next segment. So I'll stop there. Hopefully I've been clear about where I stand. Mm -hmm. 
you have been, and 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 one of the things that that clarity uh, uh, displays is that once again, we're, we don't have as stark of a dividing line between the respective positions here as you might expect in some instances. And I do wonder whether or not some of the polarization of our nation is, is artificially framed because we are in camps and we don't take the time to discuss where our viewpoints might actually have some overlap. Uh, it feels like we are on opposite sides of an impassable chasm when maybe that's not always uh, the case. So, but, but Ray did take us, Jan, to the sort of the boundaries of the law. And he says that he would, uh, he's not opposed to uh, suicide or physician assisted suicide. And we're noting your objection to the language here, uh, but where there is a, a terminal uh, case of illness and the doctor concurs. Um, and uh, I think you were also identifying some general boundaries um, in your role as a therapist, I'm guessing you're not going to be the first proponent of ending life as a solution to your whatever is troubling you emotionally. On the other hand, uh, aren't you in the camp of it's every individual's right to decide that question for themselves? I think it is their right because as, as Ray said, I'm not here to judge. And certainly as a psychotherapist, I'm not here to judge. I've worked with people who have been incredibly mentally ill, um, schizophrenic, psychotic, having uh, hallucinations, delusions of monstrous proportion that only, it, it's even hard to imagine what it would be like to be in their head for five minutes. I don't think we could tolerate it. And I understand when clients or family members of clients do um, kill themselves because they 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 can't take it anymore. So you know, a lot of people with psychosis are not helped with the drugs that we have and the medications that we have um, today, and they suffer. I'm working with a woman right now whose son uh, was psychotic for uh, several years, and he he finally took his life, and. Although I'm very sad about that for her, I, I understand why he did what he did. He just was overwhelmed by it. And the voices were telling him to do things that were really just very troubling and awful. Uh, and he didn't want to hurt anybody. I don't think he really wanted to hurt himself. So he ended his life. Um, I think we have to be cognizant though that most of the time with medical aid and dying, it's not about mental health issues. It's usually about cancer or some other related uh, terminal illness. I watched my, my mother-in-law who was misdiagnosed with Parkinson's uh, and who was living with us uh, die from uh, PSP, which is a, a disease somewhat like ALS uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, but your mind goes also. And with Lou Gehrig's, you do keep your cognitive faculties. And it disrupts a lot of uh, body systems, metabolic systems, everything. And to see someone going through that, and I've been with a lot of people who have died. I've been with them as they died. Um, I want something peaceful for people. 
I wanted something peaceful for her. Um, and I would wish that for anyone that I loved. So, I, and I believe that we have that in place, at least here in California, uh, medical aid and dying, there's a, there's a very strict protocol that has to be followed as far as the law is concerned on getting help from a physician to administer the medications that will put you to sleep and eventually stop your respiration. And it's quite, um, there's quite the protocol. The doctors have to go through that. There has to be a second doctor who uh, concurs with the diagnosis of something terminal. Um, and the patient has to be able to administer the medications themselves. If a physician were to administer the, the, the medications to the patient or, or someone, um, that's actually called murder. The person has to be able to take the medication themselves, whether it's in an IV or pills or whatever. Um, so it's, it's a pretty clear um, way of dealing with the legal aspects of it to cover the legal, um, you know, possibilities that the, the physicians could be held liable. They, they have that in place. So it, it is a, a good system, I think. All right, Ray, in terms, in terms of the, the legal boundaries, first of all, I, I, the same question I asked of Jan, isn't this uh, a, an inherent individual right, even when we disagree that a person should commit suicide, isn't it their fundamental right to, de to decide when and under what circumstances they should be able to take their own lives? I mean, if I can decide whether to wear a mask, it certainly seems to me that the more profound question should be my own. So I, I think uh, we might, this conversation might teeter on constitutional law in the United States. Um, and I'm not a constitutional attorney. You're, you're the trained attorney in the three of us. So it, it gets down to constitutional, states' rights, state law, that you know, we we touched on the moral piece of this, um, you know, and I. My first comments were about boundaries, and like I said, um, I think Jan had a couple instances of that weren't physical but mental health. I mean, we've had, you know, as a school board member, what one of the most uh, dramatically sad things for me as a school board one of our students takes their lives mm -hmm. and the circumstances behind it everything from bullying mm -hmm. um, to um, I can't handle life um, and during and still we're still in the pandemic is that the isolation piece um, and I know those are kids and they're underage so you know I would separate on the adult side this piece uh, that everybody has a right to make that decision. I, I think for me that is troubling because I think um, the reason we do have laws is to protect society, protect um, people uh, from even sometimes themselves. Uh, to do that because we have a society, at least, I think we have a society, at least especially in the United States, that has a certain amount of humanity uh, built into it. 
and, and our laws reflect that. So I, I probably, I'd have to have some really boundaries around that part of the conversation. Um, only because, and I'll admit, I've had periods of time in my life that I like, you know, contemplated suicide because things were tough and they were random thoughts that went in my head. And fortunately they didn't stay there and I didn't hear voices uh, that, and you know, I, I think if I did, I'd, I'd go seek help, not thinking I could handle that. And not everybody um, is of that mind. And I know there's some mental um, ailments that uh, Jan referred to that um, you know, I'm not aware of that can't be treated by certain you know, drugs uh, you know, that are on the market at this point. So I, I think for me, it's not completely black and white on, this, on that question, I'll be honest with you. And, and if I'm fumbling a little bit because it's, it is troubling to me when a person gets to the point that they want to take their life. Um, it's just, and I don't know why, it's not like I have in my family a lot of instances of suicide or attempted suicide, but I've had, we have had, the three of us have had students. Ricky Boyd took his life in our junior year, I think a sophomore junior year, maybe in our junior year in high school. And I knew Ricky Boyd mm -hmm. and I knew what he was going through because we, you know, we walked home from school a couple times and he opened up to me. And I, uh, it gives me goosebumps even talking about it today because I could not tell him anything to make him feel good about himself. He was losing his hair at, you know, at 16 or 17 and he couldn't, didn't know how to handle it. However, he was a very gifted football player and he couldn't balance that out with his self-image. And he was also, he was smoking dope and he was doing mm -hmm. drugs yeah, at the same time. All this stuff was going on. I don't know about his home life and if, you know, what was going on in his home life. And I only bring that up because that's not, that's not apples and oranges to what Jan's experience with certain, you know, psychotic people or even here, I'm in a military town, a military area, and we hear a lot about people with PTSD, especially veterans with PTSD, taking their lives. And I, I probably just can't sign off on all that. I just can't. I appreciate you your. Know, I, this is probably where there, there is a difference here, and you know I, I respect Jan's position, but I, I probably I, str I struggle and probably could not agree with signing off on all, all those types of. Uh, it, uh, suicides. Let me just uh, jump in here too. And that is that I don't endorse it, nor do I uh, encourage it with people. I just understand it because they're in such psychic pain. Yes. Um, and they're not, their reality is not uh, what our reality is. Their reality yes. because of their illness is changed so dramatically that they don't really know where they are anymore yes the voices take over the hallucinations take over they just start screaming at them all the time yes. so for that i understand it i don't it's very sad and i think once again in this, see, you know we, we talked about this when we did a segment on homeless 
and 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 by the way, um, you know, it was it was very the amount of viewership or listenership we had, it was it was listened pretty heavily, but um, we have a lot of those people out on the street, mm -hmm. the ones you're talking about, that have those psychosis, um, and they have those. Some of them are treated by meds that they just don't take them, mm -hmm. or they don't take them frequent enough, and that's a tragedy to me. Just and and yeah. once again, I don't see, I don't recognize an enormous gulf between your two positions uh, on this. I, you know, I, I, frankly, I'm moved by the by how thoughtful and compassionate both of you are, even though you land at slightly different points. It's maybe maybe this is our tribute to HPHS that there is some some general concurrence on, on yes, yes, the need to mm -hmm. be compassionate and not to be too quick to condemn others for uh, for those conditions that yes. we don't experience ourselves. Um, but let's let's touch for a moment on the constitutional issues. And I don't purport to be a constitutional lawyer. My background's law, but but um, I, I'm fascinated by the Constitution. But but I think the the few constitutional principles that might be worth uh, considering. Uh, what, so one of them is um, although there's no particular provision in the Bill of Rights that says I have the right to end my life, uh, there is that enormous Ninth Amendment that says that the fact that we didn't list uh, some specific rights doesn't mean that we don't have additional rights. Uh, we have additional rights that are not enumerated in the Bill of Rights. And it, it seems like you could make at least a good case that the right to choose when to live or die might be as about as fundamental uh, of a right as, as you have. Everything else is almost derivative of that. But then that also takes us to the question of if, if there's a right for the government to regulate that, that right as as all of our rights are subject to some government regulation, right? Freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, they're all subject to some limitation. Um, whether it's, it's an appropriate matter for the state uh, or the federal government or some other um, uh, jurisdiction. Do you, Ray, do you have a viewpoint on whether this is a state or a federal issue? So I think the states have a right to, I mean, because California has a End of Life Option Act that right. was passed in June 2016. Right. So I'm, I'm, I believe that if California was able to, and I think Jan referred to it, was it nine states uh, have a right? So I, I think it's a state right. I think uh, it's probably been argued. Uh, Supreme Court's probably argued it before and said it's yeah, up I to think that, yeah, Thus far, the, the court has uh, seemed to allow the states to regulate in this arena yeah. as they have with, with um, the um, marijuana laws. Um, There's a few instances where the courts have said that it's still within the purview of the state, but you know that there are some of your uh, uh, party members, the uh, GOP party members that would pre prefer to have the, the federal government pass a law that says states may not confer the right uh, to, to suicide. Yeah, uh, and, and I think, you know, some of my, uh, some of my party members um, and by the way, you know, when we talk about party, we're not homogenous. We're not all the same. Yeah. Um, you know, we, and, and it comes to issue by issue a lot of times within the Republican Party, especially us Republicans here in North County, San Diego, um, especially around the coastal area. I mean, it's, it, it gets, it, you know, I, I'm of the vein that all politics are local, period. Because it's you and me, pal. Okay, talking about issues. So, yes, there are people in my party uh, that absolutely, and that's because it would eliminate 
uh, the nine states uh, having the option uh, to do that. It, it's a tactic both parties use yeah. to their advantage whenever they want an issue uh, controlled. Yeah. And you know, no matter if it's Democratic Republicans have used that strategy on, on a variety of issues, you know, we can uh, use uh, abortion. Abortion is a good one. That's right. Okay. It was, it was the Democrats had in their hand and they want the federal government, federal government said, okay, abortion is a right. You can't take it away under certain circumstances and you can and others and all that. But um, I understand that. I even, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Okay. You know, and I, I'll admit that I am. Yeah, that's my faith. Um, and even within my faith, you have divergent groups um, who are liberal and conservative <laughs> on that. And so they take an issue like end of life issues and that creeps into that. I, you know, and I think you, both of you probably know that, uh, know that, that piece. And depending on uh, which denomination you're from, a lot of that denomination dictates your position on end of life a lot of times. Jan, do you have a viewpoint on the, the, the constitutional authority to um, regulate in this arena? Do you have a viewpoint on whether the federal government or the state government should, should be supreme in it? I think what will eventually, I, I, I have an opinion about it, but I also want to say that I think that uh, over time, as more and more states adopt um, you know, medical aid in dying, I think that eventually it will become a federal issue and the Supreme Court will have to deal with that on a state by state level if people are suing them, you know, for uh, various reasons of wanting to oppose it. But eventually, hopefully it will go to go to Congress, it'll it'll and it'll pass and it'll be a federal law. Because I do think that not in the in a very liberal sense. Don't take me wrong, but people should be able to have the right to a peaceful death. Whether you live in Louisiana or California, you're saying absolutely that. wherever you are. Thank you. So I'm going to shift gears to the personal now, and I'm going to ask each of you about your lives from the years 1992 to 97. I think that's where we're at now. Jan, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Well, uh, 92 to 97. Um, we saw, my partner and I saw quite a bit of um, death and dying since we're talking about <laughs> medical aid and dying. Um, I saw uh, family members uh, pass away, uh, a father-in-law, a grandmother-in-law. I saw my folks um, get cancer and have to have surgery for that. So there was a lot of caregiving. My uh, brother-in-law who worked at a chicken fried chicken place uh, was robbed after they were closed and was shot in the head and oh, sustained no. some oh, pretty substantial brain injury. Uh, he survived and he's, you know, living today. Um, but that was really hard and tragic. Um, we had the recession in the nineties and my, my practice, my psychotherapy practice uh, really thinned out uh, at, because simultaneously at, uh, insurance companies were, we're not paying for outpatient counseling. So I, we both had, we both took jobs um, to supplement our income, um, working with develop, 
developmentally disabled people doing life quality surveys for the state of California, which was a, a very enlightening and enriching um, experience that, that we had. Uh, and my partner was diagnosed with lupus during that time too. So there was a lot of, um, a lot of flux and a lot of caregiving um, and a lot of fun too. We had friends, we went places, we were in Palm Springs a lot, had a good time amongst oh, nice. everything else. Yeah, so kind of a mixture. It wasn't mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Ray? So I had been remarried. Uh, we had our uh, son and I was also doing uh, at my best, which wasn't really always successful as blending two families together, um, two kids from previous marriage and then current marriage with our son. And uh, that was pretty challenging, frankly. It was, and I had an ex that uh, wasn't making it easy. <laughs> Let me just put it that way, um, to do that. Um, so there was that one piece on the, on the personal side, uh, professionally um, at the time. I had, where was I at? Um, I was just thinking that when you said that. So I was, I was uh, kind of on a startup company, uh, startup technology, which now has become an antiquated technology, which was a small satellite dish. Um, I was working for a company that was made up of some of the largest cable companies who were trying to slow down the small dish business by getting it to themselves. And, found out it was really successful, but because of antitrust laws, uh, the government wouldn't grant the licenses for what was called high power um, uh, satellites. So ended up having to sell off that business. And um, you know, I, I started working uh, for other, other companies at the time uh, to do that. So, uh, you know, a lot of jumping, same, in, same, uh, industry, but I had to jump from company to company uh, to do that. Uh, so it was a really stressful time, really uh, very stressful. Uh, it was stressful on my marriage at the time because, of, you know, res you know I, I take a lot of responsibility trying to blend the two families and I just wasn't, probably should have, in hindsight, which is a, always a 2020 proposition, uh, asked Jan to help us. <laughs> okay, to get through this because it wasn't really working out real well. Um, you know, we, we survived it, you know, um, but it, it was it was pretty difficult to do this, uh, to do that. Um, I'm trying to think if we moved during that time or not. No, I think we, we didn't move at the time. And it was, you know, we had some we had some great times, uh, family. Uh, even though we would take all three of the kids, I think we took them to Hawaii once because Karen is from originally from Hawaii and had a family there. So uh, the two younger kids, or excuse me, the two older kids had never been to Hawaii. You know, we do family trips. Um, before we moved to, here to San, North County, San Diego, we would come down here and do family trips down here. And that uh, the one the one tool we did use before family trips was a family meeting and we kind of had boundaries for everybody on how to, you know, what's going to work and what's not going to work. And everybody had a, a voice, no matter what age, uh, to do that. So that, that's kind of what my story was during that, that time. 
you, you know, what's interesting uh, about this, and I'll, I'll share my own uh, life as well, but um, is, so this was 1992 to 97, uh, since we graduated in 72, this was 20, starting 20 years later. Uh, so we would have been uh, at that point, uh, 38 to 43, that period of time. And those middle years, they, I, I think Dante writes it about, writes about this in the Inferno. There, it's you're kind of going through a dark wood in a lot of ways. There's a period of struggle in our middle years, I think, before you come out at the other end. So I um, was, uh, let's see, I, I was uh, had a combination. I began to teach full time at Sierra Community College. My kids were little. I was practicing law part time to help support uh, a, a stronger income for the family. So my wife could stay home with the kids part-time and uh, help to bring them up. But the marriage was disintegrating uh, in these years. And toward the tail end of these years, I was falling in love with my second wife. So it was a period of change, lots of pain. I mean, the, the first the disintegration of the first marriage was, was really painful. Uh, and especially for me watching my kids respond to it. And to, to, the, to, the, to my last day on earth, I will watch my kids to see what damage they took or what they were able to um, uh, uh, learn from uh, in their own lives. Uh, so it left an indelible mark on me. Uh, I'm not sorry that we uh, ended up divorcing because I don't think we were meant to stay together, um, but I'm not sorry we got married either because uh, that, that was what produced my, my two kids and I wouldn't have it any other way. But they were, they, they were good years in some ways and difficult, difficult years in other ways. I think it is that middle passage that we've all sort of talked about today. Let's end on a lighter note, though, and tell me about a song from your high school days, Jan, that, um, that always takes you back to high school when you hear it. In a Gata de Vida by oh, sure, Iron sure. Butterfly, anything from Steppenwolf and Santana. Yeah, okay, great. How about you, Ray? You know, I... Every time that kind of question comes up, it's, I don't know why, I have no idea, but it's Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone. <laughs> yeah. And I just saw a recent documentary, and I, I can't tell you which streaming service it was, but it was the same time that Woodstock was going on in Harlem, there was a music festival and cultural festival going on to celebrate African-American Black um, culture and pride and sly perform. But here's what was interesting. Most of the performances were black performers, African-American performers. Sly, if you remember, was a diverse band. Mm -hmm. And he broke, uh, had a woman trumpet player, mm -hmm. which in those days was unheard of. Yep. It was always males who played those instruments. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as I watched Sly, it was a guy who was a great ahead of us, who gave me some insight about race relations, and that was Bobby Hammond. Mm. And Bobby quoted that song, or quoted Sly's other song, Difference, or that same song, Different Strokes for Different Folks. And so um, I don't know why, you know, how many <laughs> decades later, that was it. And then let me flip. So Santana was one of my favorite. Motown was, my, I mean, I fell in love with Diana Ross. I'll just say it. <laughs> I fell in love with Diana Ross on that. 
And then I, I was always, because I had an affinity to the ocean and the surfing experience was the Beach Boys. Mm -hmm. So my music taste was pretty eclectic. I mean, it really was when you think about it. You know? All right, I'll add one more to the mix then. Uh, and uh, there are a million songs that I could cite, but, and I should not do this on a podcast, but I'm gonna do this on our podcast anyway, cause see if you re recognize it just from the first few beats. It goes like this. You know what it is, Jan? Yeah, I do. I know. I know the tune. Don't I can't. Hollow. That's it. That's it. Right. It's Brown Eyed Girl and That's my wife's song. She's a brown eyed girl, and that's her song. That's it. That's your wife's song. That's my wife's song. Okay. Well, at least that, that's what I say. That may not be the one she chooses. Van Morrison is playing at the Santa Barbara Bowl, and I'd love to go see him. I probably won't, but I'd love to go see him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah well, that's, that's a good one. Before, before we uh, stop recording here, I want to thank uh, my friends, Ray and Jan, for their um, always thoughtful and lucid participation in this. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Spread the word, please. We're trying to make this podcast um, be relevant to high school students everywhere, uh, college students everywhere, uh, and, and to others as well, but to reinforce the necessary art of civil discourse with each other, not just when we agree with each other, even more important when we disagree with each other. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you again soon. Have a good day.